Well, I have uh, some good news for you and maybe some uh, bad news for you. The good news is, is that the cough, I think, is finally gone. Now, I say that, I'm probably going to cough into this microphone a few times, and I already feel it as I speak. But uh, uh, the bad news is, uh, well, it was good news, but uh, Carol and I got to spend uh, this past weekend in Chicago, and over the last couple of days, we walked about 17 miles. And so the cough is gone, but my legs feel like they're about ready to fall off this morning. So uh, it's kind of... Uh, interesting that uh, we went on such a journey uh, because that's what we're going to be spending time talking about is our journey. And uh, you probably have heard this before. It's almost cliche to, to say it, but it's every journey starts with a single step, right? We're going to be looking at our journey of grace with Christ over this next sermon series. And I don't usually do this because I start my sermons out a little bit differently, but we're going to start with scripture this morning. And so would you stand with me as we read scripture this morning, as we read God's word, we're going to be reading out of uh, John chapter one, verses 35 through 42. And uh, it says this. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw him, saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, is one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of the Lord. For those of us that have started on a journey with Christ, for those of us that started on that journey to become a, a Christian, I bet all of you could probably point to one or two people that along your journey uh, were instrumental in your walk with Christ. Maybe they introduced you to Jesus, or maybe they were somebody that maybe even literally took you by the hand or helped you understand what a life with Christ was like. I remember a lady from Peoria First Nazarene. It was right after I became a Christian there, uh, and she became a highlight in my journey as a Christian. Uh, she was an elderly lady when I met her, but she was always that image to me of what a Christian should look like, or at least behave like. Maybe some of you might even know her. Her name was Ruth Stock, and Ruth loved Jesus. She had attended uh, Peoria First Nazarene for years, and, and uh, she began to notice that the teenagers were starting to make their way and move to the back of the sanctuary instead of sitting up front. And for her, that wasn't satisfactory. It's not because she doesn't like the people sitting in the back. 
She would have loved all of you, by the way. But she wanted the teenagers in the church to experience Jesus. And she thought that the best place to be would be right up front, stage right. It's not planned that that's where we're now reserving a a spot for our teenagers, our refuge students uh, here at PFN. Up front, stage right. So one Sunday, uh, Ruth got up from her pew uh, and she went back to the teenagers and in her jovial way where she was always smiling and she was overflowing with the Holy Spirit, she invited the teenagers to come up with her into the second and third row and they did. Every single teenager got up and followed this little old lady up to the front of the church. She was like the Pied Piper of teenagers. And uh, so, and for years, that was the teen's spot in church. No one else would sit there because they knew that Ruth and all the teens would sit there. But she wasn't done. Uh, Not only did she get them to sit up front, but Ruth sat with them every single Sunday. And Ruth would speak to our teens and sometimes she would have to explain parts of the sermon or she would ask questions to them. And, And when she noticed that a lot of them weren't bringing an offering on Sunday morning, she took it upon herself that she brought a roll of quarters and gave every single teenager a quarter every single Sunday, just so they could get used to putting something in the offering plate. So uh, when Carol and I then became the teen leaders at Peoria First, we we started a a concert. Uh, It was a Christian concert uh, with music that teens would like, and it was in Ruth's honor. We called it Ruthstock instead of Woodstock, since that was her name, seemed like a catchy name. And we invited some of our other, our friends to play, some Christian rock bands to come and play. And the teens loved Ruth so much that they wanted her to come to this concert. So they got together and rented a limousine to pick Ruth up and bring her to church that night. And Ruth sat there, sat there and heard some of the loudest Christian rock music I have ever heard in my life. And let me tell you, Ruth hated every note played. (laughs) She hated the music, but she loved every single moment. She loved it. Because Ruth realized that this journey that she was taking with Jesus wasn't about her. It wasn't all about her. She had this group of teenagers who quite literally had become her disciples. Ruth took this group of kids that were on the outskirts of church and she brought them front and center. It truly changed the life of that church. It changed that church from that moment on. It changed the life of 20-some teenagers. And what impressed me most about Ruth was the life of grace that she lived. She realized that she was just like those teens. 
at one point in her life, in one point in her journey, somebody came alongside of her and showed her grace and helped her to understand who Jesus was. And that person granted her unmerited favor, just like Jesus does for us. And so we're going to be spending this next month and a half or so talking about this grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. We're going to talk about this journey of grace that all of us are on. And you have it in your area, in your notes there. If you want to just remind yourself, who was the rootstock in your life? Who was the person who uh, took stock in your life? Who was the person who introduced you to Christ or is helping you along your way? Who is that person of grace in your life? I've heard grace uh, described and uh, defined many different ways throughout the years. Uh, these are written there in your, in your notes on the next page. Uh, first one is God's unmerited favor, which just means I didn't do anything to deserve his favor. He just takes care of me. That's who God is. That's, that's how he works. The second one is God's undeserved love. I didn't do anything to justify his, his love. He just loves me. And if I miss up, he loves me just the same. Number three is favor given to someone who deserves the opposite. Think about that. You and I, have uh, we are sinners saved by grace. We have sinned against God. So why in the world would he want to show us favor? Yet he does. And number four is God's no strings attached goodness. See, God is good. Like Pastor Ben just prayed for our refuge students the, that they would come to know that God is good even if we are not, even if we never attempt to pay it back. So here we have Ruth Stock. She was in her, her mid-80s and she took this group of kids that were part of the church, but they really weren't part of the life of the church at the time. And she showed them favor, even though there was nothing that they would, could do at the time to repay her. She loved these students, even when some of their families are barely tolerating them. She witnessed to them. She blessed them. She prayed for them. And she became their biggest supporter. And she was their biggest fan. Ruth didn't just wear that, uh, like that name badge that said, hello, hey, I'm a Christian. As if uh, that's something that we should wear to get people to know who we are, whom we belong to. But Ruth lived the life. She was the example in the flesh she recognized that the journey that she had started with Jesus some 80 years prior was just the beginning for a group of teenagers who talked during the sermon and sat in the back of the church. And I believe that many of those teens are still followers of Christ today because of the grace and the love and the care that Ruth took on their own journey with Jesus. I don't know if our guys, do you have that picture of Ruth? I don't know if you got that or not. There she is. Who could not follow her? Isn't she adorable? She was, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She is now walking the streets of gold with Jesus as we speak. She was a great, great, great lady. 
So this entire series is going to be about our journey with Jesus. And it's my hope and, and prayer that you will see yourself somewhere on this journey. But maybe more importantly, that you will see someone else that is on this journey, someone else that you can come alongside with and help them on their journey. Because all of us are on that journey, whether we're, we're about ready to take our first step or whether we've been on it a long time, long time now. And if you were to tell me back when I was in college, the first time around, that I was going to be a pastor, I would have laughed in your face. Are you kidding me? And even when God clearly called me into the ministry, it took me over a year to tell him yes. So we've all been on a journey. My journey may look different than your journey, but we're all on a journey with Christ. I want to take you on this journey this month as we discover what this journey of grace looks like. What does it mean to be on a journey with Jesus? My journey with Jesus has been the highlight of my entire life. Jesus has brought me an amazing wife. He has brought me two amazing sons. We've had the opportunity to pastor at uh, amazing churches. We've had the, uh, the opportunity to travel around the world, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. It's all because of him. Jesus himself was on a journey of sorts. He didn't travel the world, maybe even as much as Carol and I did. He pretty much stayed in one area, unless you count that journey from heaven to earth, back to heaven again, that's quite a journey. I'll only get to make that trip one way from here to there. Uh, but J Jesus was an a itinerant preacher, which just meant that he didn't stay in one place too long. He moved from place to place. He moved from countryside to countryside. And he went around uh, preaching and teaching and healing and prophesying. He moved from place to place. But more importantly, Jesus moved from life to life. And he encountered so many different people, whether wherever he went, he would touch the lives of the people that were there. And because of that, Jesus eventually developed the, quite the following. Now, you're probably familiar with maybe the 12, those 12 guys that followed him around all the time. They are his 12 disciples. These 12 guys followed him around for three years from the very start of his ministry up until the crucifixion of the cross. And these 12 guys were called by Jesus to pick up all of their stuff and to follow him. And they did. And that's amazing to me that these guys just left everything. They just left it all in order to follow Jesus. They could have said, hey, you know what, Jesus, how about I just catch you the next time you come to town? You know, we'll catch up then. You can tell me about the ministry. Uh, I'll give you some good fishing stories. And, you know, we'll just, uh, uh, we'll just catch up then. But they didn't. They dropped everything they had. They followed him wherever he went. And what's maybe even more amazing is that he decided to take them wherever he would go. He never would leave them behind. They were always close by him. 
Every journey does start with a single step. And in our scripture today, Jesus, this is the start of, of a couple of the disciples' journey with Jesus. Every single time it started with his invitation. So here in this story, we have Andrew and his brother Peter were fishermen. They were, they were ordinary guys. They were probably like you, you and I. They uh, had lived this simple life. Peter and Andrew and James and John and others, uh, they weren't scholars. They weren't special. They never made it to the higher level of schooling where some Jewish boys would obtain. See, in those days, a rabbi, if they thought you were a good enough student, would invite you to continue uh, schooling. Otherwise, if you didn't get invited by the rabbi to continue on, you went home. And you got a job and you started working just like Andrew and Peter. So these guys were never invited by the local rabbi to follow him. Only the best of the best got to follow the rabbi, learning with him and absorbing what that rabbi had to, had to teach. Very, very, very few were chosen. And this included Andrew. And it included Peter and the other guys, James and John. None of them were invited to follow the rabbi. None of them were smart enough. None of, the, none of them were good enough until they met Jesus. So I want you to imagine the scene here. Um, Andrew and John, his friend John, are there. And here comes Jesus. Walking down the road, the dusty road, maybe dirt is billowing up with every step. And we see Andrew and John, who are both followers then of John the Baptist. They see Jesus for the second time in two days. And they had heard the testimony of, of John the Baptist about Jesus the day before. This is what John the Baptist had to say. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now, maybe that's enough reason for you. Uh, maybe it might have been enough reason for them to start following Jesus just to find out that he is the chosen one. He is the Messiah that these Jewish people have been waiting for for years and years for so long. But I think it was this next line from Jesus. I think it was a personal invitation that made all the difference. And so Andrew calls out to Jesus, hey, Jesus, where are you staying? I'm glad you asked, Andrew. Why don't you come and see? So the first step of this journey of grace that all of us are on begins with this compelling invitation of Jesus to come and see. Three words here that change the life of Andrew and John, and then eventually their brothers, Peter and James. Three words that have changed the entire world. Come and see. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to know what he's all about, he says, well, come and see. 
It's a super simple invitation. And it even seems kind of trivial to us uh, almost. It almost seems too casual. There's no expectation here of what's to come. Uh, There's no explanations. There's no instructions. Jesus just says, you want to see for yourself, then come and see. See, following Jesus for all of us begins with that simple invitation. Come and see. But soon we're going to realize that that invitation comes with a cost. For following Jesus means that these guys had to leave things behind. And Jesus knew full well that when he casually told Andrew and John to come and see that this was going to lead to a whole series of life-altering decisions on their part. Because following Jesus has never been a spectator sport. The invitation seems casual, but the lifestyle is not. Nobody can follow Jesus from the sidelines. But it was the invitation, the the come and see that got Andrew to take that very first step that day. I'm sure following Jesus for Andrew and and John started out as kind of a bit of a curiosity. All right, let's go and see what's this all about. But it became as a shock to them. Maybe even as they started on their journey, they thought to themselves, wait a second. This is a rabbi inviting me who's never been good enough to to follow any other rabbi but this rabbi is inviting me to come and follow him why i'm just a fisherman i'm just an ordinary guy and so andrew even goes and gets his brother simon who's later going to be called peter he says peter i found the one we've been looking for i have found the messiah really who is it andrew It's that guy, Jesus. You remember the the carpenter from Nazareth? Are you serious? Jesus, not him. What good can come from Nazareth? And John, John says he's the chosen one. Peter, why don't you just come and see for yourself? Come and see, Peter. Come and see, Peter. Come and see, Tony. Come and see. Just come and see for yourself what it's all about. You don't have to take my word for it. Just, just come and see. Just experience him. The compelling invitation of Jesus has always been as simple as that. Just come and see. If you're not sure what this relationship with Jesus is all about, then just come and see. Perhaps you're here today and maybe you grew up in a, in a different church or maybe you grew up in a different environment or maybe you don't even know why you're here today. Somebody drug you here. Well, maybe this is all relatively new to you. I'm glad that you're here to just come and see what this is all about. But eventually that come and see becomes step two, which is follow me. See, these two statements sound very similar, but these two statements are so different from one another. 
Come and see just means about being acquainted with the journey. It's about getting close enough to explore, to, to try this on, to see maybe if this is for, for me. See, when I met Carol, I wasn't a Christian yet. I knew enough about Jesus that there was something that was intriguing about him. And those that followed him were different, to be sure. But um, there was something about Christians that kind of captivated me. But I never had made that decision for myself. But I got to tell you, I was no dummy here. Uh, I was smart enough to realize that if I wanted to continue to date Carol, then I'm going to have to start attending church. Right? And it was the people within that church that welcomed me. Without saying those words verbatim, they invited me, Brian, just come and see what this is all about. Experience Jesus for yourself. Now, I've had a pretty good reason to be there named Carol, right? But to keep exploring whether or not Jesus was for me. It wasn't, it wasn't Carol that drew me into this life-changing decision to follow Jesus herself. It was all the people that were in that church that had enough patience with me to allow me to take one step on this journey, just one step with Jesus. I remember the, the people, I remember them by their names. Their names are Steve Vance, Neil Arterburn, Sue Roper, Ken Haig, Steve Lester, Chuck Kohler, and all of them kept on telling me, come and see, Brian, who this Jesus is. But eventually, the come and see required a decision that needed to be made. A decision was going to be required of me. And eventually, that decision, maybe you're here just to come and see, but eventually, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. Are you going to continue to explore and come and see, or are you going to make the decision to follow me? And some of you are there. Some of you have been coming for, for years. If you're honest, there's probably a lot of us that are here that have just been follow, or that think that we have been following, but really just observing. You've witnessed what it's like to know Jesus, but you haven't taken the step to start following him. But before you make that decision, before you start following Christ, you need to know that it's only possible by God's grace that you are allowed to do so. I mean, think about it. If grace is God's unmerited favor, if grace is God's un, uh, undeserved love, if it's God's no string attached goodness, if it's favor given to someone who deserves the opposite, then who are we to make that decision? Hey, you know what? I think I'm going to start following the creator of the universe. I'm going to start following the King of Kings. I think I'm going to start following the Lord of Lords. Who are we? The ones who have sinned against God and mankind. The ones who caused Jesus the need to be crucified in the first place. Who are we? The ones who caused the nails to be driven through his flesh. Who are we but the ones that deserve hell but instead are promised heaven? Who are we? Hey, Jesus, sorry about that whole cross thing, but I think I'm going to start following you now. 
It's a strange thing to say, isn't it? it? Who are we to follow this guy who has never sinned, but it's God's grace. It's his grace who says, come on. I want you to start following me. I know that you are a sinner. I know that you have done things in your life that you're not proud of, but come on, you can follow me. See, God's grace is costly for us and for him. Following Jesus is a free invitation, but the cost of following can be steep. I remember for myself, I was sitting on my pastor's couch a Monday after the spirit started nudging me to follow Jesus and stop exploring, to stop playing this, but to make a decision to start following him. And my pastor didn't lay out all of the the cost of following Jesus. I think if he did, I would have done it anyway, but I knew that's what I needed that day. I knew that that's what I had to do is get my life over to Christ. So in case you're interested, I just kind of want to tell you before you start making that decision, here's some of the cost of it. So if you're taking notes, that first one is in order to follow Jesus, we have to remove the distractions in our life. The cost of following Jesus requires that I give up anything that distracts me away from him. It means that I give up anything that I think that I can trust more than God. The cost of Jesus requires me to make a decision that I'm going to trust him more than I trust even myself. I think about it. In reality, what do I have in my life that God didn't give didn't give to me. Nothing. Did he not make me? Did he not give me all of the good things that I have uh, and enjoy? And if I remember that Christ gave me my life back and that I can give my life to him, then the exchange, the exchange for his life for mine will be that he gives me a better life now and eventually he'll give me an eternal life with him in heaven. That's a pretty good trade. But in that exchange, my life for his, he offers me also a freedom from a petty and a poisonous and a meaningless existence. I know that following Jesus means having a life now of purpose and meaning. And when I became a Christian that day in my pastor's office, I didn't fully understand it. I didn't quite get it. I just felt it. I know, I knew that Jesus could make something out of my life. I tried to do it on my own for way too long. And so I needed that guide. And so the second cost for following Jesus is we're going to have to deny ourselves or deny yourself. And we're independent people. We want to be in charge, don't we? We'd love to be in charge. And again, when I knelt there in my pastor's office and I gave my life over to Christ that day, I didn't understand it fully. I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I knew that if I was going to do this, I was going to have to make decisions now on Jesus's behalf and not my own. And so I've come to realize that following Jesus means that he's going to lead me to places and decisions that I would not have made for myself. And that's okay. He's to be trusted. 
And every step of my journey along the way has been provided by him. And every single step he has taken care of me. It's not always been Brian's plan. But eventually God's plan became Brian's plan. And that makes all the difference. So the third one here, you're also going to be called to help others. And my pastor that day had said, now, hey, Brian, if you do this, it means that you're going to have to start placing other people above yourself. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to help other people on their journey. Uh, this is the beginning for you, but eventually you're going to have to help somebody else on their journey of grace. If he had said that with me, I, I would have gladly still prayed that prayer that day. I knew I was giving myself up for something that was greater than myself. I needed something greater than myself, something that made sense, something that had purpose, something that had direction. And following Jesus means that you do it with others. You never do it by yourself. God's call on your life is for you and you alone. He's calling all of us. It's always personal, but it's never been private. See, following Jesus means that you're part of a bigger deal, and it's called the church. And the church, frankly, is full of a whole bunch of messed up people. But hopefully, all of us are trying together to be better, to be more like Christ every day. See, following Jesus and making that decision is going to take courage because the decision to do it is going to cost you. But it's never been questioned in my life as to whether or not it was worth it. It's always been worth it. Give me every hardship in life that you can possibly think of, and I will always make the decision to follow Christ every single time. Because although the journey is deeply compelling and is personally costly. By following Jesus, I know that he is also going to transform me powerfully and you as well. So that invitation starts with come and see. Try it out. Figure out what this is. See who Jesus is. But eventually it turns to follow me where you start to actually walk just like Peter and James and John and Andrew all dead, they walked in the dust of the feet of the rabbi. But I promise you, it's not going to be long before that come and see and follow me turns into the promise that God has for every single one of us. And that's, and you will be. Come and see, follow me and you will be. So the ultimate promise of, of Jesus is that you are going to be made radically different than when you started the journey with him. Those who take seriously the journey of grace will be thoroughly transformed. And you've heard me say this before. You're going to hear me say it many times uh, after this. But Jesus loves you enough to meet you exactly where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. See, remember my friend Ruth's stock? She didn't always have an easy life. Her dad died when she was a little girl. Life was hard for her. They were as poor as poor gets. Life was difficult. 
When her dad died, two of her older brothers had to quit school so that they could provide for their family. But Ruth never looked back. And even though she had so many hardships in her life, she knew that she was on that journey with grace with Jesus. Matthew 4.19 tells a different part of this same story that we read earlier today. When Andrew and Peter were called by Jesus to follow him, this is what it says. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Follow me and I will make you into someone you've never been before. See, Peter and Andrew were trained fishermen. I think they were probably pretty good fishermen. I think they probably were making a decent living. They were hardworking. They were dependable. And at once they got up and they left and they left their nets and followed Jesus. Why? It's not because Jesus saw something in them that others didn't. It's not just because this rabbi was talking to them when others didn't think they were good enough to follow. They followed because Jesus, because following Jesus transforms you into the person that you know you need to be. Following Jesus transforms you into the person you know you should be. I'll send you out to fish for people. This simple statement from Jesus points to a beautiful truth of this journey of grace. Following Jesus long enough, follow Jesus long enough, and you too are going to get called. You too will be commissioned. See, here at PFN, we are known, valued, and purposed. We are known people known by one another and by Jesus. We're invited to come and see, discover what this journey of grace is all about, what a life with Jesus would look like. We're valued people. We're valued by the Lord and by one another. Valued, can you understand that you are valued by the Lord of all lords? Valued so much that he would invite you, a sinner, to follow him. And when we follow long enough, we realize our purpose, come and see, becomes follow me, which transforms you into the you will be. But then you're called and commissioned to go and do. Number four, if Jesus is transforming us into the persons that we should be, if he is transforming us into the people we know that we should be, then what are we doing about it? Come and, come and see is all about exploring what this relationship looks like. Follow me is giving your life in exchange for the life that he wants you to live. You will be realizing your purpose. Your purpose is in the grand design of God's kingdom. It's not found anywhere else. So what will you go and do? What will you do because of your calling and your commissioning? What will you do because you followed him? And he's declared to you, this is who you are. Who will you be Ruth to? We just had a 
great group of refuge students up here, commissioned this group of teenagers. They're going to be doing all sorts of things on this journey to camp and then also to Savannah, Georgia. Some of our students are going to be going and they're just exploring their faith. They're not there yet. Some have already given their life to Jesus. Some of them during this trip are going to be actively being transformed into who they know they should be. And Jesus is going to be doing it that whole week. But the question is for all of us, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with Jesus? Some are going to answer his call on that trip. Some are going to answer his call today. I want us all just to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And as I'm praying, but also speaking to you, Jesus, I know that in this room today are people of different, different, uh, different areas on their journey of grace. Lord, I thank you for all of those that are here and those that are watching online, maybe even today, this day, July 10th, maybe even in the future are going to be watching. I thank you, Lord, for all of our friends here that are here to come and see. They're here just to check this out. Maybe some of them didn't even want to be here today. Thank you for your friend or your family member who got you to come. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are here just to come and see, to discover what this is all about. And I would, I would pray that they would discover something in us, something in you today that would compel them to keep coming and seeing what this is all about. Lord, I pray more that they would see enough in you that they would say, I need to follow you, Jesus. I know I need to be the person that you want me to be. I don't know how to do it. I've tried it long enough. But Lord, I believe that there are some here today who want to make that step from come and see to follow me. So Lord, as I just lead them in a simple prayer, would you speak to their hearts today? Would you speak to them very clearly and call them towards you today? May they pray something like, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but there's something about you that makes me want to be like you and to follow you. And so, Lord, in exchange for your life that you gave me on a cross, I give you mine. Let's go on this journey together. Let's walk side by side throughout this entire life, but also into the next, into eternal life in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to follow you. Lord, maybe somebody here prayed that prayer for the very first time today. And so, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that. If there is somebody here that prayed to that prayer 
today with me. You've been coming and seeing for long enough and you know it's time to follow him. And you've asked him to take your life as he gives you his. If that was you today, without anybody looking up and looking around our room here, would you just raise your hand just so I can be praying for you? Anyone? Lord, as we, as we progress in our prayer today, from come and see to follow me, thank you, Lord, for never leaving us how you find us. That, Lord, you have a next step for us that you will be. Lord, we don't want to be the people that we were when we first found you. We want to be the people that you need us to be. Lord, forgive us for the times where we have just done it on our own. And we thought that we had life figured out enough that we didn't need you. But Lord, we're here today to realize or to, to recognize that we can only be who we should be when we follow you. And then Lord, help us to go and do. Lord, I pray again for all of our refuge students that are going on to this uh, mission trip, going to camp. I pray, Lord, for all of our, our kids that are at kids camp as we speak. Open up their hearts to the message this morning to your Holy Spirit. But Lord, would you open up the hearts of all of our refuge students as they travel down to Savannah, Georgia. Thank you for watching out over them. Thank you, Lord, for sending them. Open their hearts as they as they travel, open their hearts as they serve, open their hearts as they listen. And Lord, for all of us here, whether teenagers or really old teenagers, Lord, would you help us to find that group of people just like Ruth did, that we can say to them, why don't you come and see? Why don't you follow me and see what this is all about? And so, Lord, I pray for those conversations that we will have this week. Lord, I pray for those discipleship conversations where we just say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to help you. Can we go on this journey together? Let's walk this journey of grace, you and I. And so, Lord, I pray for our next upcoming weeks as we find those people that we can disciple, that we can bring along on this journey of grace. And, Lord, I pray for what you are going to do through all of those relationships and those conversations. It's going to be a wonderful and amazing thing to watch you work. So, Lord, we give you over our lives today. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be you on earth, to be a Ruth Stock, to be any number of these wonderful people that are in our congregation that are doing this on a daily basis. Lord, thank you for what you are going to do on this journey of grace. We love you, Jesus. 
We ask for your blessing upon our congregation that is here today and those that are watching online. May you be so very real, very evident to them. May they know that you are with them today. Lord Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. We love you, Jesus. And all of us say together, amen. Love you guys. Have an incredible, incredible rest of your weekend. Remember to find somebody on your journey of grace.